So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Hey, I'm Nate Larkin, here with my friend and yours, David Hampton. Uh, so grateful for your friendship. I'm in, an, I'm in a season of gratitude right now. Ah. Thanksgiving and Christmas. Very easy to be positive right now. Yeah. Well, likewise least, on the friendship part, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we're recording this, uh, I don't know when you're listening to it, but we're recording it, uh, at the end of, uh, 2022 between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, we're just a couple days away. I'm actually, as soon as we wrap up here, David, Allie and I are getting in the car. We're driving over to Columbia and we're picking up a young lady who we knew from uh, the, the day she was born. She lived next door. Oh, wow. Uh, now she's a, a married young lady and we're kind of uh, honorary grandparents to her. Uh, okay. Now, our parents are gone. Uh, one of her great regrets from childhood is nobody ever took her to see the Polar Express. Oh man. And the Polar Express is playing at the Franklin theater. So, uh, we're picking Onisha up and we're going up to Franklin. We're going to see the Polar Express this afternoon and then go to dinner. Oh man. What a great time. What yeah, a fun yeah, yeah. time. And of course there's a whole raft of holiday shows at the theater. This is going to be the only one we see this year. Mm-hmm. Great shows. If I, if we, uh, it's a, longer drive to get up into Franklin. We're not going to get to see uh, the uh, uh, Lamb of God this year. We'd usually like to go see that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I'll tell you what we missed was we missed when Bono was in town. Uh, I didn't uh, hear about it. I didn't hear about it till it was over, but I hear it was an incredible uh, program that he did there at the Ryman. Yeah. For the people who were fortunate enough to be there. Did you get there? I did not. And uh, I really regret it, but I am in the middle of his book, Surrender. Um, oh, I've which is seen a, it on the shelves. I have. Yeah, I mean, I you know, it's a really, really interesting book. And and even if you buy the book, get the Audible anyway because the Audible uh, is enhanced with you know uh, snippets of their songs and some. Does he um, read it? Does he, he read reads it? it? Yes, he reads oh, it. And okay. it is awesome. so, I, gotta get it. Uh, I, I mean, it's, he's, you know, he, he could have been an actor if he hadn't, mm-hmm. you know, uh, taken the music dive. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, the, I, the book is so incredible because this is the, to me, this is the, um, one of the best pictures of how faith intersects art, intersects life mm-hmm. in a, in a very authentic way. Um, by someone who's not, um, pushing a, a particular, um, belief, ideology, theology, uh, but has a very profound, uh, experience with, uh, God, Jesus, 
what he um, knows to be true for himself, what he believes to be true about the Bible, what he incorporates, why certain things are in their music. And it's a, and yet so engaged with the culture and how they've been able to walk that line between where they present um, their, their reality and their experience and their faith in mm-hmm. a context that, um, that allows the listener to have enough room to, um, to experience it in their own, through their own lens. One of the things mm-hmm. he says that I love is that he said, um, we are not answering questions. We're, we're creating enough room for the listener to wrestle with the question. You know, wow. I still wow. haven't found what I'm looking for. Doesn't end with uh, an invitation hymn. You know, it uh-huh. doesn't, right. doesn't segue oh. to just as I am. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, right, sure, yeah. It, it leaves you there in the tension of God. I haven't either. I haven't found what I'm looking for. What? What's? What is the it? You know. Yes. And right. he said their their role is to create the context that they all believe we all struggle with. And let the listener have enough room to ask the questions and and experience their their reality of God, the mm-hmm. higher power, the spirit yeah. reaching in uh, to their music and and talking and grabbing the listener. They have he he recounts really profound spiritual experiences. He he recounts a lot of other experiences too, and and that's what mm-hmm. I love about it because it's the tension between this very human. Uh, you know, very uh, had to wrestle with a lot of ego, had to wrestle with a lot of stuff to be mm-hmm. you too. I mean, come on. Um, yeah. But at the same time, being so um, trying to continue to have the awareness in their music um, that there's a tension in life um, mm-hmm. that uh, that they that they are very open to just comfortable with just mm-hmm. asking the question and letting people sit in the tension of it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for themselves. I, anyway, I'm, I'm about halfway through and I, if you know, like I said, if don't just buy the book, but get the audible because he's reading it. It's awesome. It's enhanced. Uh, if you're, and you don't even have to, I mean, you don't even have to be the world's biggest U2 fan to mm-hmm. really grasp what this guy is about. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, if I, I, Wish I could have gone to the uh, Ryman and uh, experienced oh, that, but yeah, yeah, I I love this theme of openness. I've been thinking about this late. To me, one of the greatest tragedies in all of human experience is the death of curiosity. Yeah, yeah. If we get to the point where we're no longer curious about what's going on, mm-hmm. when we have eyes closed, when the blinders are on, when we have all the answers mm-hmm. and nothing new is allowed in and there's no room for mystery and mm-hmm. there's no room su- for surprise and there's no room for wonder. Mm-hmm. And we think that life is about having all the right answers and knowing everything as though this experience concludes with a pass fail final exam. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think that squares with the Bible. No, no. And uh, although I have spent time on that track and in that world, mm-hmm. and I have in times of my life tried to be the answer man for mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. rather than uh, a guy who's willing to ask the questions, 
to share the discoveries I'm finding without imposing them on everybody else mm-hmm. and staying alive to wonder and alive to experience and not shrinking God to the limits of my understanding. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I think when we lose our curiosity, then we've gotten old and that can happen at 40, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yet I know people in their late eighties and nineties that are still profoundly curious yeah, <laughs> listeners yeah, yeah, and learners. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. Well, we have a guest coming up who I've confronted this whole issue herself uh, very personally. And she tells her story in a book soon to be released. Uh, you're, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to predict. I am not going to predict how the listeners are going to react to this conversation. It'll be okay. wide and buried. Oh, ah, yeah. I'm not going to put the listeners in a box. You might love it. You might not. Uh-huh. But I, I think it's going to be hard to turn it off. Yeah. So uh, stick with us. We'll be back in a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. We have a very special guest with us today. She's joining us uh, from the wilds of Minnesota, I think. Is that correct, Mm -hmm. Luciana? Is that where you are? Yeah. Okay. Although she's got an exotic Italian name. We want to to get a little better (laughs) on that. Luciana Pissera is with us. She's the author of a new book that's just come out called God's in a Box on My Dresser. And she has a, a... a wonderful story to tell, and we're going to we're going to venture into some uh, exciting, perhaps challenging, maybe even a little disturbing to some listeners, but I think uh, fascinating territory. Well, welcome, Luciana. Thank you, thank you both for having me. Great, yeah, great. real glad to have you here. Awesome. All right. Well, let, let's start with the title of the book: "God's <laughs> in a Box on My Dresser." Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that talks about uh, religious experience and the way mm-hmm. religious uh, experience is understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your f- backstory, especially your faith story. How did God wind up in a box on your dresser and <laughs> did he get out? That is a great question. And actually the full title, which I don't think I ever gave you, is God's in a Box on My Dresser, An Inquiry into the Human Capacity to Thrive. Um, And really the God box is just our beliefs about God, where Mm -hmm. we keep them. And the idea that it's on our dresser is it's just this kind of taken for granted, you know, these assumptions that we have about who God is, what God likes, what God doesn't like, um, all of those kinds of things. But it's interesting because the irony of the God box is that the very thing that's supposed to shepherd us toward this loving relationship with God and community and others actually becomes a roadblock. And that's what Mm -hmm. I explore in the book. And my own faith journey, I mean, you asked that question. I didn't really answer that, but... Um, the way that I write about it in my book is, you know, God writes straight with crooked lines, right? And I'm definitely Mm -hmm. a crooked line. (laughs) There's no no question about that. Um, And so I was born Catholic. 
And um, when I was really little, so I've experienced, oh, my life is, is crazy. So when I was young, I experienced pretty extreme abandonment. Um, I was abducted when I was six. I was sexually abused by a brother-in-law. Um, I had an eating disorder that almost killed me um, for decades. I, I had that. But when I was really little, I would, like four years old, I would walk by myself in the woods near my house. And it mm -hmm. was just this incredible place of like joy and wonder. And that's where I met my bestie, Jesus. And he's still my bestie. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. But when I was so little, he came to me as this beautiful companion who taught me about love and, and really gave me the greatest gift of my life, which was experiencing a relational connection with divinity, with God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but then, you know, my life from there, I wasn't, you know, four or five with this, like, beautiful relationship with Jesus forever. You know, mm -hmm. going through everything else in life, I went, you know, dogma um, came yeah. into my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, dogma is a good synonym kind of for a God box. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's not like it's bad, but... Mm -hmm. You know, it's just then all of our experiences are framed from that box. And it got in my way mm -hmm. of actually uh, recovering. Mm. That's a little bit of my yeah. story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Well, and the dogma, you know, that, I mean, it, it may not be bad uh, as long as it's coming from a place of um, uh, truth. But often it's very limiting um, and we don't get to have that experience of uh of uh, finding our own truth in that, uh, if that makes sense. You know, um, I, I have to tell you, Luciana, but the, when I read the title of your book, and I, this isn't meant to be morbid, but this is sort of my dark sense of humor here, but uh, God's in a box on my dresser. When I, at the very time I read that, my father-in-law was in a box in the back of my SUV because oh, I, no. I had to remain. I had to pick up his remains, and that's very terrible. But what it reminded me of was um, sometimes, you know, the beliefs we have have to kind of become ash to make room for the the truth that we need to uh, to grow. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, so pardon the morbid analogy, but it, that's the first thing that popped in my head. No, I yeah. love that. And thank you for that. Because actually one of the themes in this book is just that I had to go to the island in the middle of the Amazon of Peru, um, where I ultimately healed and lived for 30 days. Um, when I was there, I learned that my God box, the reason my God box needed to be so powerful was so that I could understand the importance of its dismantling. Mm -hmm. And when I was able to dismantle it, I was able to, to experience what I perceive to be the fullest expression of relationship with God that I have ever had. Because outside of that, right, my, all my beliefs were filtered through that box. Can I give you a quick example in my oh, life? Yeah, sure. Okay. So I mentioned that I suffered from sexual abuse. It was actually from um, one of my brother-in-laws. Um, and, you know, four years. So my eldest sister is 12 years older than me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there was enough gap there. And her husband was older than her. So there was enough gap there where I was a vulnerable victim. Well, 
Um, I didn't tell anybody about it because, you know, as an abandoned child, my dad was an alcoholic, closet alcoholic, but alcoholic no less. Um, there was just nobody to tell. You know, I felt voiceless. Mm. And so anyway, um, 25 years later, 30 years later, I confronted him about all the abuse and he didn't deny it. Um, and this was before he died. He's now um, passed away, but he didn't deny it. But his response was, well, I went to confession. I made my peace with God. So I don't know what your problem is. Mm. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's a great example of a God box, right? I've I've said, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I did my yeah. God box duty, right? Mm-hmm. Went to confession, mm-hmm. told God mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And so everything's fine. And what I came to learn on the island, and I knew it before, but I hadn't experienced it, that God's a relational God, right? And so because God's a relational God, all of our healing has to be done through relationship as well. Right. We don't get to like spiritually bypass our responsibilities on the planet by just saying, oh, but everything's good now because I just Uh said this prayer. Right. Uh Uh Yeah. And and you said, Luciana, that you spent uh, like a month on an island in Peru um, and um, had that was the beginning of your uh, kind of uh, unraveling and reconnecting what was going to be. your your truth from from that point and you discovered things with plant medicine how did that how did that experience shape you how did you end up uh even coming to the conclusion that that was where you needed to go to get um centered well i didn't know it at the time to be honest with you Mm -hmm. um i had already been through my own treatment programs for eating disorders Um, I did inpatient for 30 days. I did many other programs. I mean, for years, um, I -hmm. tried to get healthy and I became a dry eating disordered person, Mm -hmm. right? Kind of like the dry drunk. Um, Mm -hmm. I had quit all of the patterns of um, behavior that were technically destructive to my physical body, but I hadn't healed the reasons why I had the addiction to food to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I was traveling. It's kind of a crazy story. I was I was traveling for my foundation, a um, whole different story there. And one of the men traveling with me, just from the back seat, we're in Tanzania of all places. And from the back seat of the car, he's just like, "Hey, Luciana, have you ever heard of ayahuasca?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> um, I was like. I know, but I need that. And he laughed. He's like, well, that's not something like you get on Amazon, right? (laughs) (laughs) And, And he explained it to me. And I knew at the moment I heard the word, I knew that it just was something I had to do. And I could feel in that moment, this incredible, beautiful energy connecting my bestie from the junk, from the woods that I walked in when I was four years old to Jesus at that time. And it was like a time war. And it's like, he was saying, go, go. Yep. This was your plan. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was like six weeks later and I was in the jungle. I mean, it was that like, Oh wow. Yeah. It went fast. Oh yeah. It was like, when you know, you know, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so while I was there, you know, plant medicine is one of those beautiful things, but it can also be wildly understood, misunderstood. And, 
Um, when I went, I didn't have a lot of expectations. I just knew I needed to be there. But it was through my experiences um, there that, I mean, my whole, all my life narratives, I call them disempowering narratives that keep people stuck uh -huh. in addiction. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. All of them crossed my path and came up for healing, every single one. Uh -huh. And those that, that kind of were clutter, like hanging out there that I couldn't necessarily identify, just vanquished. They were gone. They were healed. Um, I had the remarkable experiences in um, two of the ayahuasca ceremonies that um, I partook in. One, my grandfather came in. Now, my grandfather, my dad's dad, had been dead for a long time. And he came in in that ceremony and he apologized to me for bringing addiction into the family. Wow. And he's, yeah, yeah. He said, Luciana, I'm so sorry and his grief and his remorse for never being able to heal for carrying like shame and guilt his entire life and then you know i'm guessing he blamed himself for my dad being an alcoholic and mm. you know other issues in our family and um, and so I, it just brought these beautiful opportunities for me to hear from ancestors in this really profound way um, and to learn from them how to be humble and say, gosh, I'm sorry, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And what was really remarkable about these experiences was I learned that I had become my dad and my grandpa. And that was so humbling. Oh, my heavens. Mm. When because I used to say, you know, oh, family secrets, you know, they're so awful and you know, throughout my 20s and 30s, as my family was growing, it's like, oh, these family secrets, they're destructive, they're toxic. And all along, hello, <laughs> I had this secret. Yeah. Uh -huh. right? uh -huh. uh, mine was just better or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was justified somehow. Yeah. It was your <laughs> secret. That was what, yeah. Yeah, my yeah. secret. I had this raging eating disorder that I was totally ashamed of. I yeah. had these secrets of all this abuse that I was totally ashamed of you know, crazy making. And mm -hmm. so I saw myself as a mirror to my dad and my grandfather and probably other family members suffering. And it really struck me as, holy cow, you're doing the same dang, dang thing. Clock it. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Every person engaged in the fight against alcohol addiction has their own reason for being involved. Maybe it's a husband or wife, a daughter or son, a mom or a dad, a best friend, a colleague, a job, a hobby, or just yourself. Whatever your reason for recovery, we're all in this together. On the Positive Sobriety Podcast, we understand that the opposite of addiction is connection. And our mission includes building a strong community and working together to break the stigma of alcohol addiction. That's why we've partnered with Soberlink to expand and strengthen our community even further. Soberlink is a remote alcohol monitoring technology created to help provide accountability for people in recovery. The system includes a high-tech breathalyzer device with facial recognition.
that allows you to share your sobriety in real time with loved ones who can offer support in the event of a slip or a relapse. Soberlink has helped hundreds of thousands of people document proof of sobriety in real time to help rebuild trust and foster peace of mind. Soberlink is currently building a strong community of people in recovery. Get inspired and inspire others today by joining the community at soberlink.com PSP. That PSP, of course, stands for Positive Sobriety Podcast. The link again is soberlink.com PSP. You know, it just strikes me that I made an error in this conversation in that I didn't properly introduce you, Luciana, and let mm-hmm. our listeners know who this lady is they're listening to. Oh. So uh, a, bit, a bit of an introduction. Mm-hmm. Luciana has been an educator for 34 years, teaching and coaching thousands of individuals how to create, manage, and maintain relationships. Her degrees are in international leadership and management and social justice. And for more than 20 years, she's worked with indigenous people around the globe, supporting them and living their best lives through her foundation, Humankind. She's also done executive coaching for top 100 companies and has been a life coach for hundreds of people. She's the founder and CEO of Passeri Footwear, a (laughs) slow fashion company based in Peru. Mm -hmm. And she discovered plant medicine in the jungle of Peru in 2018, a medicine that transformed her trajectory and gave her the power to thrive. Mm. Uh, it's an amazing res- uh, uh, a resume. <laughs> it's an amazing story. So uh, as part of the work that you're doing internationally to mm-hmm. work to support indigenous people, mm-hmm. you are in, did you say Tanzania when you first heard about uh, uh, ayahuasca? Yep, yep. Okay, that's, that's kind of bizarre. It clicks, it hits. <laughs> Now, this is 2018. Had you yet, I don't even know when Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, right now, of course, mm-hmm. conversation about, uh, uh, help me with the term, Luciano. Psychedelics? Yeah. <laughs> conversation about psychedelics is all the rage within the addiction and rec- uh, addiction treatment mm-hmm. uh, community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Pollan did a lot to help Mm -hmm. lift the stigma of the research in that direction. Mm -hmm. And uh, so universities are conducting all kinds of studies. Mm -hmm. Top podcasters like Jordan Peterson are having regularly having guests on and conversations Mm -hmm. about psychedelics. And there seems to be uh, a benefit for a great, a high percentage of people who Mm -hmm. undergo this treatment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, A success in kind of resetting, jolting the brain out of its accustomed pathways and opening new doors of perception to take Aldous Huxley's phrase, mm-hmm. uh, reframe life and set people on a new path, resolve old issues and help people achieve a deeper, more lasting sobriety. Mm-hmm. Is that correct in what I said? Yeah, that certainly is my experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But were you already down the road by the time Pollen's book came out? You know, I don't remember the exact timing. Um, mm-hmm. It was close. 
it was yeah. you know right around there in in the same years but i am eternally grateful for him and his work for destigmatizing the narrative mm-hmm. because i'll tell you growing up a good catholic girl i had never done a drug mm-hmm. and yeah. the idea of any drug scared the wits out of me which is i'm sure why i turned to food rather than anything else for sure uh-huh. my, oh, it was a legal drug right exactly yeah. exactly um yeah so but psychedelics you know they're nothing to be messed with in my mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. like in in peru i know there's a thing there's ayahuasca tourism that can be really dangerous right, right? people who are mm-hmm. curious and, oh i want to try it yeah this is not something to to oh i'm going to go and try and see mm-hmm. what yeah happens. Not for recreational use. Oh, my heavens. It's a sacred medicine, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the opportunity that it offers um, those of us, you know, who are in the space to um, to to heal is absolutely ineffable. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's remarkable. Um, But what you said, Nate, is is right on. So in my experience, the power of the ayahuasca was in the moments Right when I would receive the me- the um, the medicine, um, and then through the shaman's work with me, I work with um, Body of Prana out of Peru. They're a remarkable uh, group of shamans and healers. But when they're working in front of me and singing what are called Icaros, the sacred songs to mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. it's it's as if these portals open in your mind where from my experience, the divine is just so present to support us Mm -hmm. because one of the things I learned on the Island is, is I don't believe any longer. My God box used to tell me this. I don't believe any longer that it's God's responsibility to heal us. Right? Like Mm -hmm. God's not Santa Claus or our executive assistant, right? Mm -hmm. Making sure our lives good. Mm -hmm. It's our job to do that. But we do it in divine partnership, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With with support, mm-hmm. um, and so the the ceremonies for me um, give, gave me the opportunity to open those pathways and and see things that I, I wouldn't have had access to otherwise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things, um, Luciana, that my clients tell me that have experienced ayahuasca and also mm-hmm. uh, ketamine therapy and some of the other mm-hmm. Um, new or uh, for some people, uh, you know, uh, challenging uh, uh, modalities um, is that they they have had um, both a spiritual experience um, and they've also had kind of a clinical experience. And I talked mm-hmm. to a, a medical uh, practitioner who is doing ketamine therapy in our area here. Um, and I know this is different than, uh, your experience with ayahuasca, but, but she said one of the things that it, that these, that these different therapies are doing, um, and I, I want to know if this is true with your, uh, if this resonates with your ayahuasca experience, but she said it takes the judging part of our brain offline for a bit, Mm -hmm. and we are able to access what comes to us without judging ourselves, judging what we should experience or should feel or should think and we just it's us and the emotion or us and the experience us and the trauma us and the 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 thing uh that's coming to us and she said that when that judging part of your brain goes offline 
um, you're, you're able to embrace this, ex- access it, and then begin to put it in, into proper perspective. And uh, is, that, is that similar to what you experienced in your, in your spiritual uh, connection with ayahuasca? Mm-hmm. Oh, my heavens. The, I think the most repeated word in my book is the word observe. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. every ceremony, in almost every reflection, what would come up? Observe, Luciana, observe. Don't mm-hmm. judge. Observe the emotion. Obju- observe the experience, which is exactly what you're saying, mm-hmm. right? It's, yeah. it's not judging. It's, it's observing. Okay, I, I went through this. I have these emotions. I don't have to scramble to get rid of them or medicate mm-hmm. them. I can mm-hmm. handle them. Yeah. And in fact, it's my divine responsibility to handle my emotion. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And, and you mm-hmm. talk about taking responsibility for the totality of our lives. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of how you put it, I think. And mm-hmm. um, t- talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, take what I mean by that is taking responsibility for how we think, how we talk, how we emote, and how we behave. Mm. And from my God box experience, right? I didn't have full freedom in all of those areas, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I had, when I experienced shame, I thought, you know, I was going to make God sad. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I would try to deny it or I would make him angry or I'd be disenfranchised from love. And none of these things were particularly said to me. You know, I think like we talked about at the very beginning, religion can be this remarkably beautiful um, community building, you know, divinity, divine relationship building tool, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but it can also kind of get in the way. So anyway, so we have, you know, this responsibility. And when, when I think, so in the book, let me put it a different way. So in the book, I talk about the greatest commandment to love God with all our heart, right? Mm-hmm. And then the second commandment to love ourselves or our neighbors as we love ourselves. But I write about how complicated that is because mm-hmm. our thought, our talk, our emotions, and our behaviors don't always align such that we live that way on the planet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, even if I say, oh, you know, uh, one way that um, my God box as a Christian growing up um, used a thought was, well, I'm Christian. I love all people. That was mm-hmm. a line, mm-hmm. right? It was so yeah, right. easy to say that. Sure. But the truth was I wasn't surrounded by people that demonstrated that love <laughs> for all mm-hmm. people. And it, mm-hmm. they weren't bad people. It's just mm-hmm. we didn't have the language to say, okay, or, or, or the place to so, slow down, to go back, David, to what you were saying about observe, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I was never taught, my parents were never taught how to slow down and observe the the way I'm thinking, observe the way that I'm talking, observe the way that my emotions um, are, are manifesting, and then the behaviors that come with that. Mm-hmm. And so I was always reactive. And so taking responsibility then is saying, you know what, I don't get to spiritually or emotionally bypass anything, right? Mm -hmm. I have to step into my power and disempowering narratives, things like I'm not good enough, um, I should have done that, I am too weak to recover, 
Um, I just can't do it. It's how I'm made. All that stuff that we say when we're kind of stuck in, in addiction, right? Mm -hmm. um, all of that can be really over um, overwhelming and it can get in our way of, um, of understanding our responsibility. I think I'm rambling a little bit, but no. I guess my, my bigger point is we have all this stuff that gets in the way of us being able to sit with our, the totality of who we are as beings mm -hmm. and how that's expressed into the world. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, but in order to thrive, in order to heal, that's the path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it strikes me, uh, you know, we've talked about dogma and I'm wondering, are we, may, we are offering a critique of uh, toxic religious structure, mm -hmm. but I'm wondering whether we're putting, we're making an error in putting all of every, everything on religion or on faith. One of the thing, uh, things that's consistently described by people who have undergone psychedelic therapy Mm -hmm. uh, is kind of a, a vacation from the ego for a moment, this mm -hmm. dissolution of the ego, when I can step outside this constructed self, mm -hmm. we all of us have this constructed self. Mm -hmm. We were told we, 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 um, gathered clues from our own observation as infants mm -hmm. and as young children. And we were told by parents and then later by educators and religious figures who we are and how, what it, Thoughts that are permissible and thoughts that are not permissible. Mm -hmm. Questions that can be asked and questions that cannot be asked. And we we made our way into comfortable routes and and structured our lives accordingly. It wasn't just religion that did that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even always just outside forces that did that. Mm -hmm. I think it's our own need for self-definition. Mm -hmm. that we wound up with this constructed ego. We have a view of ourselves that is, all of us have a view of ourselves that is incomplete and in some ways inaccurate, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, and for a moment to step outside that constructed self, mm -hmm. when part of that brain <laughs> where all of that structure lives goes offline mm -hmm. and we're now just open to experience mm -hmm. and we can recalibrate, to me, Again, very much as uh, an observer, it and you know, I'm trying to under get wrap my head around this whole thing. Mm -hmm. It seems to me as though, uh, for those of us who are who are men and women of faith, and 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 I'm a Christian. I also mm -hmm. come from a highly structured Christian background mm -hmm. that focused as much on what not to think as it did. It was more. It was more on safety. Let's 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 focus on error so we don't go that way. Mm -hmm. Then opening doors to truth, and it mm -hmm. really shut down uh, avenues of inquiry mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. That recover that recovery broke through. Mm -hmm. Re recovery allowed me to open doors that I was told I couldn't open, mm -hmm. and made my life much larger. Mm -hmm. I'm just mm -hmm. ranting. I, there should be a question in there somewhere. But uh, do you agree that that um, Religion is a part and a big part, but it's not solely responsible for where we find ourselves in uh, a mental and emotional crippled state. Oh, a thousand percent. And I'm so glad you opened the door for that because in no way did I uh, intend to like um, 
to give the impression that the God box was a result of just dogma. I mean, people who are atheists have a God box. It's because Mm -hmm. the God box is however we think about God, right? Uh People who are atheists just don't believe there is a God, but... Uh By definition, that's a, diff- that's a different box. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, right. it's a different box. But absolutely, it's our ego. It's it's our our struggle to figure things out. And I think it's natural that when we humans struggle with human suffering, we turn to something outside of the realm of knowing to help give us answers. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this hilarious experience after I left the jungle uh, with Jesus. So I'm laying in bed. And I was super stressed about something. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I pray like a lot of us all the time, right? And mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, here's the deal. And this is how I talk to Jesus, right? I'm like, here's mm-hmm. the deal. I really need your help. Like, I'm struggling. I'm really feeling overwhelmed with X, Y, and Z. And within seconds, I felt this spiritual whack across my head. And mm-hmm. I heard Jesus say to me, he said, do it yourself. And I know, I know, I had that same reaction. I laughed out loud in bed and I said out loud, I said, you're hilarious. You're right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because, and that's getting back to my ramble earlier, David, it's, you know, that's taking responsibility for how mm-hmm. I think, talk. I'm not asking God to like swoop in and fix the mess that I created. It's like mm-hmm. step into my power here. Right. Partner. Absolutely. Um, But so, yes, Nate, to your your point, it's not just religion. It's our egos. It's all of our struggles and our thoughts as we try to figure out how to navigate, you know, our experiences here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I love that. And uh, I, I would identify as a Christian with an asterisk. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of footnotes under it for me now. But anyway, you know, uh, the thing that I um, that I observe with a lot of the people that I work with is they come in and most of the people I deal with, Luciana, are dealing with uh, some type of substance abuse, mostly alcohol and then some other behavioral stuff as well. But the things that I experience from people coming from certain backgrounds is that there's a, a deep um, sort of shame uh, about what they believe they um, should think, should feel, should be able to do. I just yesterday had a conversation with a young man in his 30s whose best friend had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mm. And my client was so broken up and kept saying, I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't be feeling this. I shouldn't be experiencing that. Why can't I just, you know, embrace mm-hmm. the party line here? And and getting him to suspend that judgment and let himself have the experience he needed to have mm-hmm. um, was really, uh, to me, critical for him. But I want to know, how did, um, did your experience with um, all of this impact things like anxiety, um, you know, the, that we all, most of us that deal with addiction are coming in this from an anxious, you know, mm-hmm. a, a highly anxious place, um, shame that we, the story we tell ourselves. Do you experience a way of, uh, is, is it helping you uh, manage anxiety? Did it, did it eliminate anxiety? What, what went mm-hmm. on with that? Mm-hmm. 
Well, hilarious that I didn't know I had anxiety until I wrote the book. (laughs) 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 Turns out I did for a lot of years. Um, But yeah, it it totally, totally did. And, And how I experienced the healing from anxiety or my ability to observe and manage anxiety was in one of the ceremonies that I was in, uh, what I was seeing, I was seeing, you know, like big fishing nets, right? And they have yeah. the square kind of holes in them, holes yeah. in them. So these fishing nets were just walking, huge fishing nets were moving across, you know, kind of my screen. And in each one of the squares was a skull. And these skulls were different ages, different sizes, different, I mean, just totally different. Mm -hmm. And after the ceremony, I always ask um, whenever, well, whenever I pray or any of my life experiences, when I have something that confuses me, I say, and I ask Jesus, I'm like, clarify my confusion. What are you here to teach me? Mm. And so, you know, I said that in this experience, I'm like, afterward, I'm like, what are you here to teach me? And Jesus in my bestie's greatest form was like, those all represented narratives, stories you have told yourself about yourself that need to die. Mm. And they're on their way. Mm. And my, my whole being just felt this um, rush of um, alleviation. That's not a word. Um, my, my tension, my anxiety completely started to like levitate and leave me because I realized what kept me anxious for so many years was the stories I told myself about myself. I'm not good enough, right? Anxiety. I can't do this right. People aren't going to love me. People aren't going to like me. Um, I'm not worthy. So job, you know, money, no money. Didn't matter what it was. I'm not deserving. So In my experience in the jungle, my anxiety, um, it was revealed to me that it was always connected to a disempowering narrative. And it was a narrative that the phrase that I use that I just learned I had to clock, you know, when like you did with your clients, how beautiful, you know, to be able to say, you know, maybe what you're telling yourself about your right Mm -hmm. to experience sorrow maybe that's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, switch that up. You know, I deserve to feel sorrow because I love this friend so much. I mean, right. Jesus cried, right. When right. his friend was yeah. sick. And so, yeah. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, Luciana, before we go, I, I, I want you to tell us a little bit about your foundation, humankind and about mm-hmm. this new enterprise the slow fashion, unpack that for, <laughs> phrase for us a little bit and talk to us a little bit about Passeri Footwear and how our listeners can learn more about you, not just get the book, but more about the work that you're doing. Yeah. You well, thank you so much. So the Foundation Humankind Foundation is a foundation um, to support indigenous people around the world in thriving, right? So we offer mm-hmm. grants and um, microloans, which are really grants um, to support different projects. The in Tanzania, the project um, that I was doing when I learned about uh, um, ayahuasca was some women had formed a collective that we supported, and they had pottery, but they had no way to fire their pottery, 
And so it would break and they couldn't sell it. And so we built them an outdoor kiln. Um, and the man who introduced me to ayahuasca was the master potter of all things, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we do projects all over all over the world. And the fundamental thing is a reciprocal sharing of lives. Um, I bring people on journeys to partner with indigenous people to learn about indigenous people. Um, really quite remarkable. So thank you for asking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the footwear company, holy cow, that download came in the jungle. Go figure, mm-hmm. right? My um, The theme that I talk about in the book um, that totally divinely inspired is step into your power. And that is the, the slogan for Passeri footwear. It's, it mm. fits beautifully, eh? Um, mm. Step into your power. And, um, you know, if you're interested, you can read about it in the book, but one of the last days I was in the jungle, I was almost killed by a coral snake. I almost, you know, stepped on it. And as it, they had to kill it, unfortunately, but as then my experience with this coral snake kind of unfolded, I would say to the snake, as it would come to me, I would say, you know, transmute your power from harm, right? Cause it w- wanted to kill me, right? Mm-hmm. From harm to beauty. And I kept saying that to it as it would come to me. Well, finally, like 48 hours later, I I got mad at the snake and I'm like, look, you know, be done with yourself. Transmute your power, be beauty. Um, And then it vanquished and it, you know, transmuted into this white light. Well, three days after leaving the jungle, what do I do? I come across these artisans and I walk in and the colors of the shoes the man was making at the time were the colors of the coral snake. <laughs> and, so, and so I I looked at him and I looked at my husband and I said, this is it. We got to do something here. And for the last four years, that cobbler has been my master cobbler. And we formed this beautiful relationship thanks to the jungle and that snake that gave its life <laughs> for my vision. <laughs> wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so then, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah. So how do our listeners find you and how do they find the footwear company and the foundation? Yeah. Thank you again. Wow. You're so kind. So the footwear company is at Passeri.today. It's P as in Paul, A-S-S-E-R-I dot today. I'm stepping mm-hmm. into your power today. And my book can be found on Amazon and um, in some bookstores, hopefully near you, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and also from my um, webpage, uh, Luciana dot or Okay. Wow. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, Luciana. It's been a, it's been a delight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I am sure the stimulus to a whole lot of rumination and conversation, not just for me and David, but for our listeners around the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm well, so listeners, stay with us. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'm so grateful to you both. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Well, thank you for making the time. It's, it's really, mm-hmm. really been a special episode to me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast.
Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Nate, I could have uh, probably spent a week uh, <laughs> in the Luciana because there's so many things that she's talking about that are so current for me. Yeah. In, um, things that I'm curious about as well, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. also uh, things that my clients are benefiting from that are not yeah. uh, conventional. Um, yes. But, but I'm seeing really, I got to say, I'm seeing really positive outcomes uh, in people yeah. that um, are, are, uh, able to give themselves permission to explore some of these things. And, yeah, um, yeah. and I think it's, uh, you know, obviously it's gotta be done responsibly and safely and all of that. And, um, but there, uh, there are really some, some big horizons here to be explored in, in this area. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. her heart and her connection to, um, just her openness to what God is, uh, saying and, and being and doing in her in her reality. I, I just, I loved it. You know, uh, David, first of all, I got to tell you, it's a weird way we got connected to Luciana. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, not too many people know this. I haven't really talked, but there is, there is actually out there in the world, a doctoral dissertation written about me. <laughs> and, 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 uh, it was written about 10 years ago by a guy who contacted me from Minnesota uh-huh. And, uh, you know, and we talked, we talked by phone a few times and then he did a bunch of research backstory and he wrote a dissertation about me and the Samson society and, and it was good enough to earn him a doctorate. That's awesome. Well, okay. Well, that's Luciana's husband. Yeah. Yeah. So I hadn't heard from him in years and then he's, you know, so, so then he, you know, he writes and he, t- he tells me about this book that his wife's writing and then it's about plant medicine. So mm-hmm. here's the other thing that is not widely known. I've really kind of kept this close to the chest. Uh-huh. I haven't met, I actually myself, after listening to a lot of stories from friends, after reading Michael Pollan's book, after listening to Jordan Peterson, all that kind of stuff, I was curious enough and anxious enough that I, I didn't go to the Amazon. I went to the jungles of Florida <laughs> uh, for, yes. for a weekend with a group down there. And I actually did ayahuasca. Yeah. So uh, ho- hoping for the same kind of spectacular outcome that Anna experienced and some other folks I'd talked to experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all I got was a really miserable weekend and a bad stomach ache and a lot uh, of um, didn't work for me. Mm, mm. However. No. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, however, I'm glad I did it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I gave myself permission to go. Mm-hmm. I haven't closed the door entirely to um, psychedelic therapy because there's a whole range of psychedelics. And there are very responsible uh, clinical trials underway in the best university research hospitals in the country. Oh, right. actually around the world now. Yeah. Uh, you know, that are controlled studies that are producing remarkable results. Uh it's amazing. I hadn't realized this, but back in the day, Bill W., the founder of uh, AA, actually participated in the early uh, research into psychedelics, yeah. LSD, at Harvard. Yeah. And around yeah. the time, I understand it uh, to be when the um, the steps and the principles and uh, right. the the big book became um, an inspiration to him. 
Right, right. And and the and his big experience that he had there at Towns Medical Hospital, uh, where he was in detox mm-hmm. when, you know, this warm light came into the room, all that kind of he mm-hmm. was under he was he was doing belladonna therapy back then. Mm-hmm. And belladonna is of is a psychedelic substance. So mm-hmm. yeah. So, ah, yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what though, uh, my strict religious upbringing kept that door nailed shut. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm allowed to take certain s- pharmaceuticals. Certainly mm-hmm. they're well encouraged in mm-hmm. all, you know, although I actually grew up in a part of the church that was sus- suspicious of doctors and medicine and we preferred just to pray and have God heal miraculously. But however, we did go to doctors, Mm -hmm. you know, we did take medicine, but Mm -hmm. that kind of medicine is one we couldn't touch. Right. Well, and our culture has had a, uh, a stigmatizing relationship with it when, you know, our, our government decided back, you know, in the, I guess the seventies, early Mm seventies, maybe that, uh, that hallucinogenics and, and psychedelics had no, uh, redeeming clinical value. You right, know, yeah. and so they shut all that down because there was no redeeming uh, value yeah. in it, uh, as they thought at the time. And so now, as people emerge who are studying it, and scientists and uh, yeah. clinicians uh, who are finding great benefit in it, we still have a social stigma as well, you know, right, for sure. a lot yeah. of it. And yeah. uh, and it's hard to get people to talk about it. Like they, they think we're asking them to go have an LSD trip like Woodstock right. or something. Right, right. And uh, yeah, that's yeah. not what we're talking about at all, you know. Yeah, let's, let's, underline, let, let's underline the fact that this stuff is not to be used recreationally. Totally. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. That, that'll lead to a life unraveled and a life wasted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, in the proper setting, under the proper guidance and with the proper care, let's at least allow ourselves to entertain the possibility that they can be used therapeutically mm-hmm. to our benefit, mm-hmm. to our physical, mental, and even our spiritual benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just a footnote uh, in that, uh, one of the things they're discovering uh, with some of these therapies is people who are treatment resistant, uh, depression, mm-hmm. uh, cases, yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, having remarkable, uh, experiences with, uh, ketamine, for instance, mm-hmm. right. um, yeah. you know, uh, because the, uh, again, it, it takes, it resets the brain, takes that judging part of our brain offline, allows us to reconnect. And, um, I've got people that are going off of their antidepressants with their doctor's supervision mm-hmm. um based on some of these therapies so we got to look at you know the reality that uh we might be you know we might be experiencing kind of a new uh stage of what recovery mm-hmm. looks like yeah 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 all right well wow what a wild conversation <laughs> it's been it's been fun though hey yeah. we'd love to we'd love to know what our listeners think yeah regardless of what you think yeah guess what no judging. We just want to observe. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can only observe if you communicate. So let us know. What's your reaction? Do you think, w- if you honestly think that we really have gone off the beam and we are in very dangerous uh, territory and what we're doing is, you know, harmful and destructive, let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 we want to observe. We want to listen. 
Also, if uh, what you heard today resonates with what you say, if you have experience on the other side, uh, we want to hear that too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you can and you can reach us at Positive Sobriety Podcast at gmail.com. Well, that's it for this week. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm David. And we are your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Long ago they told me There's only one way to go They placed a pack upon me And sent me on down the road I've been on this road forever Stayed between the lines But now beside a river A voice within me cries Take me away from the road Follow the river wherever it goes For I'm tired of the talking Exhausted from walking The water is soothing The current is moving I'm feeling like floating So take me away from the road There's an open sky above me Earth beneath my feet And beauty all around me As far as I can see So take me away from the road Follow the river wherever it goes For I'm tired of the talk Exhausted from walking The water is soothing The current is moving I'm feeling like floating So take me away from the road The same from day to day But anyone who's weary Can stop today and say Take me away from the road Follow the river as far as it goes Into new ways of knowing New ways of growing to the life I have always been groping and wanting and hoping to find at the end of the road. Yes, take me away from the take road. Me away from Follow the river wherever it goes. For I'm tired of the talking, exhausted from walking. The water is soothing, the current is moving. I'm feeling like floating, so take me away from the road. 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 Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich.
Uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett. Uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 